I don't think the game's over. Welcome to Triple Zeros. I'm your host, Josh Buckhalter. Follow me on Twitter at Josh G. Buck. Hit up the Facebook page, Clocker Sports website, clockersports.com. And the email address is clockersports at gmail.com. Jumping right into the action, man. Got a lot to talk about. I told you last time we've uh, picked up the amount of news that we're having from episode to episode. We haven't had any live games uh, in our lanes yet, but uh, we are getting very, very close. And before we get started, I have to take a little bit of a diversion from our typical uh, discussion, especially from the last few episodes where everything was about more players dropping out. But I want to talk a little WNBA and give a shout out to uh, Maya Moore. Maya Moore is about that action, boss. Um, if you don't know, she forwent this season, this past season in the WNBA, uh, set out to help overturn the wrongful 50-year sentence of Joseph Irons. He was uh, convicted of burglary and assault, shooting a man um, in the attempt to, uh, in a shooting a man during a burglary. Now, like I said, it was a wrongful wrongful conviction. He served over 25 years of it. Uh, but Maya gave up her career. Not, I don't know if she gave it up, but she put it on hold. And she said she was doing so to focus more on her ministries. And that's how she came across Mr. Irons. They, uh, her family's ministry, working with him back, I believe, in 07. So she sat out all of last year and pursued that, got him, got him released. But I want to know, just, you know, put it out, this wasn't a... Um, uh, Soul publicity stunt type of deal. She she walked away at I don't want to say the height because she's a she's a, one of the best players in WNBA history. We'll go through her her resume in a second, but this was straight getting to it. Right, we often talk a lot about how uh, athletes, celebrities in general, give hollow words, but this was literally being about that action. So shout out to Maya Moore, 2014 MVP, averaged 23 eight and three in that season. Uh, she's a four time NBA champ, six time All Star, and a two time Olympic gold medalist. Shout out to you, Maya Moore, for being about that action. That's what's up, man. Back to the WNBA, to the NBA now. Uh, practice hoops for uh, down in Orlando were pictured going up and uh, looked like a banquet hall. They were just running side by side, like a pro am, right? Um, I gotta be honest, man. My, my, I got I got goosebumps. I'm ready. I, I it's, it's, I'm so torn. I'm, I've been so torn throughout this whole thing because as a person who covers basketball and uh, sports in general, I've I, definitely want them need them back but the human side is always just like mm, you know I, I can't uh i don't know how comfortable i am with, with you know having people out there for my entertainment just for that now i know it's a job for them for a lot of those guys for everybody but you know a lot of those guys are uh depend on that income that's fine and i'm not saying that they shouldn't go what i'm just saying is i don't i, I i'm glad i don't have to make that choice that's all i'm saying um but yeah the pictures of the practice who's going up man Ooh, I got excited. I know it's going to be a little bit awkward, and I've I've made a case of this being an odd year. We'll get to that in a second. But more importantly, like I said, seeing them hoops going up, man, I kind of got the chills. Like, oh, we're about to get some basketball back. And to be honest, if they get it going, fingers crossed, uh, the way that this is going to bump up into the next season, we're going to have a lot of sports for the next year. So I'm not, uh, again, selfishly, I'm like, yeah, all right, let's go. <laughs> but Speaking of the Orlando bubble, Kendrick Perkins, who has been in the news a lot lately for the things that he's been saying, went on the record saying that this would be the greatest championship ever. Well, 
first of all, uh, LeBron James and the Los Angeles Lakers are favored to win the championship. So, I mean, look, if you want to be a conspiracy theorist and that, you know, Perk is kind of working at the same time as he's doing his analyst thing and, and kind of giving you what, uh, kind of giving you what, uh, his, uh, you know, keeping the company line, as it were. I don't know if I could put greatest, even if he's not, right? Let's just say he's just being completely unbiased. I'm not sure if he is, but we can assume it's safer to assume that he's being unbiased and to assume that there's a bias there. Greatest championship ever? How do you quantify that? What are you comparing it to, to every other year? So I agree that it's different. I've made that point numerous times. I think that it's very different. That's what I think makes it difficult, if not impossible, to compare to any other year previous. And that's even including uh, work stoppages, right, for labor unrest. Um, what you have here is a stoppage and then a resumption after, what is it now, three, four months? And if you get this other bubble that we'll talk about in just a second, that could be six months. Like, it's, it's just such a long gap to have guys come back to play after their bodies have adjusted to the, I don't want to say inactivity, because I'm sure a lot of them are still, you know, we've seen the open runs and all that kind of stuff. But uh, it's, it's, it's definitely odd. I don't know if I can call it the greatest. I'm not going to say it's better or worse. Um, I think it will be tough. You have to get hot and be able to, again, uh, get yourself, your team in championship mode in a relatively short time. But I think most of the intrigue is going to be at the bottom to see who makes it and then the battles early because I, as I said before, if they restart, I've said this for a while actually, um, star power is going to take over. Right? I can see those young teams getting hot early, but I think the top cream of the crop guys on those top teams, the LA teams, Milwaukee, Houston, Boston, I think those are the teams that are going to end up being in the mix at the at the end of it all. I just don't, I just don't know if I can call it the greatest. I'm not going to call it weak, and I mean, I I put an asterisk on it, but not a not negatively, just because it has to be denoted how different it is. I don't know how again, he called it greatest, and that's his personal opinion. I just don't know how you quantify that because how different it is and how much it has had to change. Now, now. I will like to revisit that tweet should LeBron be failed in the finals or before the finals. And I want to see how Perk feels about this championship then. But that's just because of how his recent uh, past has been with his comments. But other than that, I, I just think it's a different championship. And I think whoever gets it is going to earn it. I just don't know if I can call it the greatest championship ever. Like that's, mm, you know, that's a bit much. But, like I said, uh, there's going to be a second bubble. There's talks of making a second bubble. We're going to move on past that. I don't want to keep rabbing on purpose. Um, there are talks of a second bubble here in Chicago. Jackie McMullen of ESPN reported that there have been several discussions amongst teams and only of the eight teams that were eliminated, seven of the teams had representatives on a phone call where they were discussing the possibilities. The only team not there was the New York Knicks because they are interviewing candidates. But that's not the point point is they're trying to build up a second bubble so that these teams that didn't get invited out to Orlando didn't make the cut won't have to sit around and um, as a Bulls person Bulls fan we heard here new vice president of basketball operations our tourist Karnasovas talk about early on in this process about what would happen uh, to those teams who were eliminated they, they didn't want their guys to sit around so um, I'm sure he's kind of in favor of at least this discussion 
but going through McMull Jack McMullen's article, and I suggest you do so to get all the details. But there's definitely some some mixed opinions. Uh, Dwayne Casey, for one, was talking about first of all, the, the overwhelming thing seems to be that you won't see a lot of the top guys even on those bad teams because why? And Dwayne Casey made a great point, one that I make as well. You're not playing for anything, right? The guys in Orlando are playing to determine a championship. You go into the Chicago bubble to stay fresh so you don't miss a couple of months. Um, so you could end up seeing them sit most of the top guys. But that makes an interesting point for the Bulls because the Bulls are a young team who really don't know their direction anyway. So now you have to wonder if do you put those guys out there? Because Bulls fans know you have at least three players who have three of your core players who have significant injury histories. And this restart after the layoff won't help. But do you sit them because you don't know what you have still? You know what else you don't know? What's going to happen with Jim Boylan? And I actually wrote about this for, for uh, Pippin Ain't Easy. You know, get ready for more Jim Boylan Bulls fans. It was reported uh, on, well, not reported. Brian Windhorst was on ESPN 1000 and said that the Bulls could possibly keep Jim Boylan around because they didn't want to pay two head coaches. And a lot of people want to write Windhorst off when he talks anything other than LeBron. That's fine. But when we got this news of the Chicago bubble, well, now it kind of it doesn't align with what he said because Windhorst's reasoning was uh, financial. But that doesn't make too much sense because Boylan already got more than half of his. He got a million of his 1.6 contract last year. So they don't have too much money left on the books, but if they come back to this bubble, and this is kind of what I have, I proposed at the end of, I propose, I proposed, or I offered up the question. That's probably a better way to say it. Uh, at the end of the article, what happens if they're successful in this bubble, right? We've heard the talks about how Reinsdorf likes boiling, how the other executives who are no longer there but are still for some reason being talked about uh, liked Boylan. And Boylan's still there, right? No matter how many changes the Bulls have made in that front office, you still got Boylan there, which is so odd to so many fans and media members as well. They wanted to get the chance to see him. Okay, you go out and see him. But is there, like, I, I almost feel like if he has to move heaven and earth to go and get this loser's bracket title, and ends up winning the job. I don't know if that, like, I don't know what that proves, right? I don't. What, what is it? What does winning at this bubble prove? Nothing. So, I'm not sure what else they're going to be able to evaluate on him, and uh, and perhaps we're hearing all this. And I, I wrote this too. Again, PippinAintEasy.com. Get ready for more Jim Boylan Bulls fans. Um, but I, I just don't know. Uh, I, I just don't know what what the purpose of this is, right? You keep him on. He comes back, he coaches, and he coaches well. Are you seeing from the changes of your mind after your exit interviews, right? And that's why I say maybe we've perhaps seen a lot of this because we already know why he shouldn't be here. So maybe they we're just hearing the why he could be because there are some positive. I don't know. I, I'm, I'm trying to find a reason to uh, back up any logic that, oh, yeah, we should keep Jim Boylan on for a whole nother year. It doesn't seem like Color me crazy, but it seems like a really, really bad idea. <sighs> I don't know, man. I I I want basketball, but with the injury risk, and I don't. I, the Chicago Bowl was weird, right? Because you have talks about them also doing, or well, other teams. And, and alternative to that would be running mini camps, and they could do it either for, on their own 
or if they want to get really creative, do it in section in regions so that they can scrimmage against each other. I kind of like that better than the bubble because at least then it's a control. It's lesser risk, I would imagine. I don't know though because you're not really contained. It's tough. This is there are just as many questions here as there would be for the Orlando bubble, and that actually is one of the questions: is will the players uh, be under the same guidelines? I don't know why any reason why they wouldn't. Um, I understand it's a different city, location, and all that kind of stuff, but I still don't see. Uh, any reason why they wouldn't have to follow the same rules. They were, the concerns from the coaches have been the same as the players, have been the same as the players down in Orlando. Testing, what happens if there is an outbreak, uh, things of that nature. And you even had Charles Barkley come out and say, um, quoting, citing the virus as his reasoning, he doesn't think they're going to be able to finish the season. And the question that I had was, okay, Adam Silver himself came out and said, if they had an outbreak, they could handle that. But they, or I'm sorry, if they had one or two guys catch it, they could handle that. But if they had an outbreak, then you would have a problem. I, I just don't know how well you can seal this quote-unquote bubble. And if it gets in, it's an outbreak. You're going to have an outbreak. I, I mean, they're going to be testing, so I guess you can catch it that way. But we know that being asymptomatic is quite common with coronavirus. So. I'm not with Chuck all the way saying I don't think they're going to finish it. I think they're going to go by hell or high water. They're about to try to finish this this bad boy. There's been too much put into it at this point. What was it? 1.5 million on the... I forgot I forgot the number that they... The wild number that said they were spending on the uh, bubble down in Orlando. That That's another issue. you got to pay more money now for this bubble in Chicago. There's just so many questions and so few answers, but... It's quite the interesting development. Um, again, like I said, Curtin Silvis here was kind of championing for some kind of way to keep the guys active. Nobody, they didn't want them to sit all the way until December when the next season starts. I just don't know if games are are it, man. Again, the Bulls will be in an interesting spot because they're going to be going up against a lot of backup guys with a whole hell of a lot to prove. They have a lot to prove themselves, they being the Bulls. But not nearly as much as the guys that they're going to be playing a lot of the nights. Now, some executives expected that they would still see some veterans down there, but I bet you that number shrinks, if anything. I don't see it growing. I don't. I definitely don't see it being high from the, in the jump. There's not. There's no incentive for a veteran to play. But you're going to see a lot of GMs want that to be the case. So I, I just, again, keep your eyes peeled on this situation. It's definitely far from over, but they're running out of time to make a decision on anything before it gets me uh, too late and you got to either scrap the season or just shut up and play. We'll see how it all turns out, but that's definitely one of the things that I, I was interested in because uh, as the title of the article tells you, I, I don't think many people in Chicago want to see more Jim Boyle. Just going to go out on the limb here and make that guess. You know. <laughs> we're going to take a quick break. When I come back, we're going to switch gears as usual. We're going to talk about the NFL. A lot of developments there, but one that I definitely talked about is uh, my boy Cam speaking out about all oh, y'all dogging him for his uh, lesser than contract. And uh, I think it made a ton of sense. We'll talk about that in a moment. Don't go anywhere. Triple C. Back now on Triple Zeros. Again, follow me on Twitter at Joshy Buck, Facebook page, Clocker Sports website, ClockerSports.com, email address, ClockerSports at gmail.com. And moving on over to the NFL, start off with the story that we talked about last time. Uh, Cam Newton signing with the New England Patriots. The big story in between then and now was Cam's paltry salary 
uh, a million, which a million in base, but it can reach up to seven and a half with incentives. A lot of those are roster bonuses, which he'll, if he's healthy, he will make. Um, he spoke out about it because I'm sure he heard a lot of the critics and he said this wasn't about money. This is about respect. And I see a lot of people actually had a conversation. I shouldn't say a lot of people. I had a discussion with somebody in which they said that, you know, if he's looking for respect after all he's done, then he's never going to find it. And I kind of laughed at that because I, I, I felt like with Cam, I feel like a lot of times people are looking for something that's not there. Right. They don't like the way he dresses. They don't like that he celebrates touchdowns. They don't talk about him giving the touchdown balls to a, a child who loses their mind every single time it happens. Uh, they don't talk about the, the dress doesn't matter. He does so much charity. Like I don't I, I've never my two favorite players in the NFL and the NBA are Russell Westbrook and Cam Newton, two of the wildest dressing dudes you're going to ever meet. But they ball out and they're good dudes aside from like the wild dressing. Right. Cam has had an issue with the reporter. Russ has had an issue with, with the reporter. Um, nobody's perfect, but I just don't think that the, the, the beat up that they get, right, or the attacks that they get are warranted, especially in Cam's case, because again, it's a former MVP, a dude who's team went 15 and 1. He, the fumble in the Super Bowl was bad. It was a horrible play. He probably should have went after that ball. Um, real time looks a lot different. I'm sure it looked different for him. Whatever. I don't care about that part. Um, we could talk about a lot of things in that game that went wrong, but that's neither here nor there. My point is, he came out and spoke on it, and respect is greater than, he's not worried about money, he's worried about getting his respect. And it's interesting, because when you think about athletes' careers, individual accomplishments can only get them so far. You can have all of the records, right? But if you didn't win, it doesn't matter. The only time individual records matter is in solo sports. We know football is not that. Basketball is not that. So I laugh when people don't understand him saying it, you know, Oh, he, he should, he should, he should already have respect in this, that, whatever. You know what he means and you know why he's going. That's the only thing missing from his resume. And when we look back on people, like I said, when you look back on people's careers, the one glaring mark, Charles Barkley, I know that's the NBA we've already passed that, but I'm going to have to use him as an example because Charles Barkley is probably, he's one of at least, he's one of the greatest power forwards ever to play the game. But he gets dogged because he didn't win. Like you don't even hear, you, you wouldn't know how cold Charles was by the way he gets talked about now. And I, I honestly think it's largely due to the fact that he couldn't win the big one in Phoenix or in Houston or in Philly. Like, I, I, I can't put it any other way than that. I think he's the best example. Um, another guy, Dan Marino. We could take it to football. Dan Marino. There are a lot of people who will, say, who will tell you that Dan Marino is the greatest passer ever. But a lot of the detractors will immediately, he couldn't win. He didn't win. He didn't win. He didn't win. So. Even those who are supporters will say, he didn't win, yeah, but he did this. So you have to acknowledge it. They play games. Games are played to ultimately lead up to a champion. That's why they, you play to win the game. <laughs> Dust off of old Herm Edwards. Um, I just don't, I, I, I love that from Cam because he was all selfish, selfish, selfish. Well, he's given up on money. He's made a ton of money. That's not the issue. Uh, and he's out there with an organization that has proven to be the the most dominant over the past 20 years in the NFL. So like I, I, I laughed when they, when they dogged him for taking a little bit of money because he could have gotten more, but I, I, to myself, I thought, I don't know if he could end up in a much better situation though. And he'll get a chance to make some more money after they go to at least the conference championship this year. I, I'm going to, I'm going to make that prediction now. I know it's early, but if he's healthy conference championship, 
11 wins, maybe. Time for championship. So, that's my Cam rant. That's my boy. Had to get that out there. Now, and another controversial player, Antonio Brown. <laughs> uh, reports are that he will not be winding up with the Bucks. We know that Tom Brady and him like have an affinity for each other. But, first of all, the Bucks don't need him, first and foremost. But also, they're trying to, they had a, a pretty good unit down there before Brady came down, and they're integrating him. I can see them not wanting, I can see Bruce Arians not wanting Antonio Brown. That's, that's all you'd say. B.A. don't want A.B. Um, he won't be going to the Saints. He had to work out with the Saints, but they decided to pass on that. Uh, look at the circus that it brought, too. All they did was work him out, and they still got a whole bunch of talk in the, in the news cycle. However, rumor has it that he could land in two possible spots. One would be Seattle, according to Mike Garofolo. Uh, there's affinity both ways. They were working out together. Uh, Russell Westbrook, Russell Westbrook, I always get those two confused. Russell Wilson and Antonio Brown over the past few days seen together working out. And uh, AB has a, has a, a interest in signing there. And we've talked about this before. Russell was, you know, kind of stumping for the team to sign AB. They've already got DK Metcalf and uh, Tyler Lockett, and they just signed Philip Dorsett this offseason. But yeah, sorry, PD. Uh, if they get AB, you're going to have to go sit on the bench. <laughs> you can come out four hours for sets, but yeah, that's just what it is. The other interesting, and I think this one's even more interesting, destination is the Houston, Texas. Now, this one, we won't give out the, the source's name yet because it's not verified, but we got to talk about it because it's so out of character for what the Texans have been going, have been doing this offseason. Bill O'Brien has been seemingly trying to uh, just not do right by this team. He trade, and honestly, maybe I shouldn't say the entire their, their entire offseason has been like this because it's really just based off of one move. But that would be the move to uh, trade away DeAndre Hopkins for one David Johnson. David Johnson hasn't been good in a couple of years, but DeAndre Hopkins is if, if he's not one, he's two. But he ain't two, so I'm not sure. Like I just there's no way, and there's so many different reasons that were cited for why the trade happened, but. In the end, it was bad, right? It's a bad deal. You took on a running back contract, even though there's less years on that deal than the than Hopkins deal. It's just not a good look because he does. Maybe Johnson has a bounce back and Bill O'Brien shuts us all up, but I don't see that. That's what makes the Texans being mentioned as a landing spot for Antonio Brown stand out so much because Bill O'Brien hasn't been in the, the habit of improving. So he brought in Brandon Brooks, Randall Cobb to to play with Kenny Stills and Kiki QT. Like, that's a bunch of injuries just waiting to happen. And Deshaun Watson still doesn't have a great offensive line. So we'll see what happens, you know. But, uh, yeah, A.B. is making the news again because he might have a landing spot. We'll see what happens with him. More controversy in the NFL. It was a very, very controversial day. Uh, FedEx is putting pressure on others and on Daniel Snyder to change the name of the Washington football team from its current name. And it's not just FedEx, even though the, the CEO of FedEx, I believe it is, is a part owner of the Redskins. But they're trying to put pressure on Pepsi and a number of other companies totaling like $600 billion to withdraw their funds until the Redskins change their name. So Daniel Snyder changes the name of the team. Um, he's fought this. We've seen polls from supposedly from uh, regional native tribes saying that they didn't want that to be changed. I've also seen uh, polls, petitions rather, from a lot of others saying that they want to be changed. 
this is not going away soon, but it definitely looks like it's going to be going away, the name at least, because FedEx is threatening. They said they couldn't use a field anymore, and they sent a, a letter to Mr. Snyder and then put pressure on other companies. Um, Nike took all of the Washington merch off their site. So they're applying pressure from multiple angles. I, this is a name that's been in the news for this issue for quite some time, right? It's not new. So, but this, this kind of action towards it and this hypersensitive, everybody's trying to make something happen, um, at least ceremonially. That's another topic for another show. But yeah, FedEx and, uh, is putting pressure on Daniel Snyder and others to, to do something about that title, boss. You're going to have to change that moniker, my man. Uh, yeah, so that's another one. Keep the in, the, the NFL, you know what? That's just what we do. We keep you stuff to, to let you know what you need to keep an eye on because it's getting interesting. Out here. It's getting, it's getting, it's getting kind of hectic. <laughs> I'm sorry, I had to. Um, moving on again. Now, preseason. Preseason games, according to Mike Florio of Pro Football Talk, could be, or they're going to be, I'm sorry, they're reducing two. They've already cut week one and week four. I believe the PA hasn't signed off on it yet. But there's the possibility that you could lose all the preseason games. Now, I wrote for uh, Last Word on Pro Football about the Bears and how actually not having as many uh, preseason games could help them. Now, I know how, can, how can that help? Well, first of all, they weren't going to play in week one or week four, right? The starters, the key guys. On top of that, the, the quarterbacks, namely, because those skilled guys in the offensive line will get some tip. But now... Everybody's going to be playing in those two weeks. You're going to get some some really good action. I personally think that you could see some of the younger guys fall by the wayside as teams try to go with vets that they can count on because they're still trying to get their starters to play on the same page at the same time. And what I wrote in that article for Last Word is that I think that levels the playing field for Mitch and Nick Foles. Now, Mitch has the familiarity with the guys. Foles knows the playbook. I'm not sure he knows it better than Mitch, but he definitely knows how to implement it against defenses better than Mitch. And to that end, I think if you that, that kind of puts them on equal footing, right? Mitch has the chemistry, but, but Nick Foles has the knowledge. So while he might not know the receivers, he knows where to put the ball. So there's that. That kind of makes them even there. When they went on the field, though, if you if if Mitch got out there with the guys after they'd already had the little warm up and they're they're all fresh, he gets that advantage. Then Foles has to play with the the, the backups and how long do you keep the backups and how long do you keep the starting skill and line guys in when Foles comes in in the second half in week two. Or in the second quarter, like it, it just makes it, it simplifies it in my opinion, and that's what I was trying to get across in the article. A lot of people have been, I've been noticing a lot of headline trauma, right? People seeing the headline and just getting pissed off. I had a couple, a couple of days before this one, I wrote about uh, the Bears messing up long before Cam Newton, and people always take Bears fans are bless their hearts, but every time you try to tell them something about how they, how we've gotten at this point. It gets so defensive. Any critique of the team is just not warranted. <laughs> it's not met with with uh, open arms, we'll say. But in that article, it, it used a picture of Cam Newton, but the title was they messed up long before getting Cam Newton. And I guess it didn't convey that clear enough that it's not about them messing up with Cam Newton. It's that they got the reason why people are clamoring for Cam Newton is because the Bears keep bumbling the same thing. And it's not even just quarterback. It's literally that the organization from top to bottom just never can seem to be on the same wavelength. But you can go back, and you don't have to go far, rather. You can go right to the 2017 draft with Mitchell Trubisky. Why would you, first of all, take a quarterback with a lame duck head coach? You didn't talk to him about it. You weren't going to extend him. 
fire them. If that's a management issue, we're back to where, I'm, where I'm, you can't get the two sides to get on the same page. Jay Cutler was here, but they couldn't get the offensive coordinator worked out, right? Uh, Rex Grossman was here. They tried to make him the star that he just wasn't. They, they, they got rid of Kyle Orton for Jay Cutler. Now, I'm not saying that Kyle would have been much greater, but I definitely don't think that they've ever had a complete plan from top to bottom. They seem to just be building in pieces and parts at what they can each time, and there's never a complete plan. There's not a, a full vision, right? There's components, but there's not a full vision, and that, to me, is why they're in a perpetual state of sadness. <laughs> and me, as a Bears fan, has to be right there with them in that same perpetual state of sadness. It sucks. It sucks. <laughs> but I do believe that those fewer preseason games um, will help. You'll have less chances for guys to get injured. It will hurt the guys who are on the fringe. Um, you could see some veterans get cut because they're uh, too expensive. Who knows? But I just think that it, for, for the Bears, at least, it could work in their uh, in their benefit uh, to find out who is better. If for no other reason than everything around the quarterback is going to be hectic because they're all trying to get on the same page, that now you get a better chance to see what the, these guys are going to be like when things aren't perfect. Because in training camp, it's going to be chaos, but it's going to be controlled chaos. You get out there on the field, even if it's preseason, like I said, you're going to have some guys out there scrapping because they don't get that many opportunities. That's going to be a real a real battle test. So after sitting out all last year, I think they could be helped out by only having the two games. They were already going to play. But now you kind of have to consolidate that, and I think you do it wisely. Hopefully they take advantage of it and it works out. I do think it will. I think, I think by the time week one rolls around, there won't be many questions about who should be the starting quarterback for the Chicago Bears. So. Uh, last thing I got to talk about, how Mike Florio, more with him, he uh, he was going off. <laughs> uh, he was talking about the NFL's restart. And we talked about how do they have to implement a bubble themselves? Can they implement a bubble? I don't think that's possible. But uh, more important than that, we've talked about how, uh, what are you going to do? We've already seen them cutting, like just talked about, it. they're cutting preseason games. They're trying to make. Uh, if you listen to NFL talkers, the NFL league office um, sounds like everything's going according to plan, but they're cutting preseason games. The Chiefs might not have any games, so you know you can see them cut preseason completely, which I don't think that's that's a, that's a bad idea. You talk about getting some bad football of week one. Ooh, yeah, don't play preseason games at all and see how that works out. But I'm getting sidetracked. Florio points out some very good, very serious. Uh, issues for the players that they're going to have to address at some point in the near future here. Um, and I'm just going to give you the, the, the five bullet points that he gave in there because they're really, really sound. Uh, first one was, when do they have to make a decision on whether or not they want to participate? Can they opt out? That's what this is all about. Um, how do they decide about whether or not to go down or to participate this year? Um, they have to decide when they have to do it. The decision, is it made before training camp? Um, do they have a chance to show up, see what's going on, how it's happening, and then decide? Um, secondly, should they be able to opt out at any time? You know, like, do they have a certain time? If they do decide to show up, do you have to make that decision in the first couple of days, first day even, or do you get a week or so to see? Um, the third thing was, do they have the ability to go out and then come back in, or do you only get to make the decision one time? That's a good question because I can see somebody having an issue that they have to go take care of that's serious and then wanting to get back in. Can they do that? That's a really good one. It could be a key player. That could... You could say no now and end up having that bite somebody and then you have a complaint and now you have rule changes that nobody wants. That's how the NFL does things. Um, fourth 
Will the league allow teams to offer players who are considering opting out extra money for the season? Now, I don't know about this one, and I'll tell you why. He says, if, for example, a player thinks the extra risk isn't worth $1.5 million in salary, what if the team offers offers 2.3, 2.4, 2.5 mil? Where, you know, he's just giving a succession of numbers. Here's my thing about that. You do that with one guy, you got to do that with everybody. So I would say no, and that's not. I, I typically am a I'm pro player. I think you should offer everybody. Let me, let me rephrase that. I won't say no. Give it to everybody. But don't do what just to incentivize somebody to come um, because that's you're ultimately punishing the guys who were voluntarily there anyway and already putting themselves in harm's way to entertain us. So, uh, yeah, I'm not sure about allowing guys, allowing them to offer individuals more money. That's a bit of a stretch. But I definitely think you should probably have to give them a little bit of a kicker somehow, some way. It's going to be tough because you're losing some kind of money. So, yeah, good luck with that. Fifth, though, the last one. Will players who want more money for reasons unrelated to the pandemic use the threat of an opt-out to get a raise? Will agents advise players to feign concern over playing in the pandemic to send a message that more money will make the player less uncomfortable? This one might be the best of them all because this is human, right? Uh, you, again, putting yourself at risk. And let's say you're, you're a high-paying vet or high-paid vet or a player about to head to free agency on one of them also ran teams. That option becomes a lot more appealing to you at that point. It's hard to say that you would that a player would turn that down because again, they're not fighting for a championship, right? That's I think that's ultimately what it comes down to for a lot of these guys. What's going to come down to for a lot of these guys in the end is, uh, is it worth putting my body at risk if I know that our team is that good? Same thing with the NBA. That's why I was talking about it before. Like you're going to see a lot of these dudes who might just check out, and you better hope you don't get checkouts. Like, guys who were just there so they don't get fined, right? Um, it, it, this is this is messy, man. We're far from, from started, and, I, and all I keep hearing every day is excitement. And then, like, an hour later, it's an article talking about how it's not going to happen and why. And it's just a tug of war. Like I told you at the beginning, when I saw those basketball hoops going up in Orlando, the goose pimple started. I'm ready. It needs to happen selfishly. Um, if it doesn't, I, I won't be mad, but I, I'll be hurt. <laughs> that's going to do it for this episode of triple zeros follow me on twitter josh g buck hit up the facebook page clocker sports website clockersports.com email address clockersports at gmail.com uh, be sure to check out the writing clippingandeasy.com last word on pro football obviously clockersports.com and check out punching the clock podcast uh, my boy steven ryan i was a guest on there we talked about baseball's twitter tirades back and forth between players and the league and we also talked about the really mediocre 2000 NBA, I mean, media, 2000 NBA draft. So give that a check out too. And check out all the great stuff over at Cloud Sports, man. We're just trying to come up, bro. You know what time it is. Cloud Sports. Uh, until the very next time, it's going to do it for me, though. I think you're going to do it for me.